Okay, we're learning Daf Yud Gimel. We're starting right from the top. Uh, we're in the middle of dealing with a question about whether it's possible to have a mother-in-law who is still a katana. The Mishnah seemed to say that you can never have a mother-in-law who could do mian. She can never refuse a marriage because seemingly the Pashup Shah Mishnah is because you'll never have a mother-in-law who's still a katana. But the Gemara conclusively proved that you could have a mother-in-law who is a katana. So if you could have a mother-in-law who's a katana, then why is it impossible to find the case of a mother-in-law doing mian? So the Gemara clarified yesterday that if a mother-in-law has given birth, if there's a child, then that itself makes her a gadola. And we saw the interpretation yesterday was that that the, the very fact itself that she gave birth, that itself is a sign of puberty. And she therefore becomes a gadola even though she's less than 12 years old. So that's why, even though technically she could have a child, but you'll never work out a case of Mion because she becomes a Gadola just by having the children. So now the Gemara gives a slightly different interpretation. If somebody gives birth to children, clearly they must have had signs of puberty. Rav Zvid is saying, if she gave birth, there must have been a development of signs. And Rav Zvid holds that the pubic hairs that are before 12 if, are not necessarily said that they're just an unusual growth that aren't good. According to Rav Zvid, if a girl between 11 and 12 develops pubic hair, she could become a gadola. So Rav Zvid is saying that if a girl if a girl gave birth, that we assume there must have been pubic hairs. Um, and it's a little bit different than what we were saying yesterday. The opinion yesterday was saying that it's not that there must be pubic hairs, but rather that the very fact that she gave birth, that itself is a sign that she's mature. Rav Zvid needs this, the, the pubic hairs. Rav Zvid is saying, no, it's all about the pubic hairs. But if she gave birth, then we assume that clearly there must have been pubic hairs. So according to Rav Zvid, the pubic hairs are what makes her a gadola. And, 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 and we're just using the fact that she gave birth to assume that there must have been pubic hairs. And again, it comes out of Chiddush that less than 12, um, the hairs could still make her a gadola, and we don't automatically assume they're just some random unusual growth. So the Gemara says, Vinivdok, why don't we examine her? Meaning, why are we just assuming and presuming she developed them because she gave birth? Why don't we examine even if we see that they're not there, we'll assume that they were there and just that they fell out. In other words, since it's possible for a hair to fall out, even once it's there, so if, if, it would, if a girl would give birth, even if we examine her and we see that there's no pubic hair, we would assume, uh, with like a certainty, we would assume that they were there and they just fell out. It sounds like in the Mesachas Nida, in general, there's a dispute about that, whether you consider it a possibility that hair that was there, that hair would come and then and then fall away. So here it sounds like we're very much considering it a possibility. So what's the chat? So the Gemara answers, Even if normally we think it's very strange for the hair to go to come to fall out, we don't necessarily assume it will, that, that such a thing would occur. And if they're not there, that's like evidence that they weren't there. But still, if a woman gave birth because of the tremendous pain of childbirth, we could um, say that hair would fall out. So therefore, in a case where a woman gave birth, we'll assume that there was hair. And even if we examine and we see that there's no hair, we'll assume that it fell out because of the pain of childbirth. So Rav Zvid's approach is a little bit different than what we saw yesterday. Yesterday, we were saying that giving birth itself makes her a Today, we're saying giving birth gives us an assumption that there was pubic hair. And if there was pubic hair, um, then she became a gadola, even though she was under the age of 12. Continues the Gemara. Kesad Potras or Sehem, how do they potter the Tsara? So let's just remember what the din of Tsara's Tsara is. What happened was, we've got um, Ruven, Ruven, Shimon, and Levi, all three brothers. Ruven marries Shimon's daughter. So now he married his niece. And Ruven also has another wife. And Ruven dies childless. So 
the daughter to, to Shimon can't do Yibam, she's an Erva. And the co-wife as well, the co-wife can't marry Shimon because she's the co-wife of an Erva. But there would be nothing wrong with the Erva or the Tzara going ahead and marrying Levi because they're not the daughter or the co- uh, of, of Levi. So if, let's say, the co-wife from Ruvain went ahead and married Levi, and then and Levi had another wife, and Levi dies without children, but we're still going to say now that she's not nofel to Shimon to do Yibam. She can't do Yibam to Shimon. And she would not only that, the Tzara would exempt the other wife that Levi had. So that's the Tzara's Tzara. So the more wants to know what the source for this is. Menon Emili, we know that the, the din of Tzara's Erev, we learned in the Bryce and Def Gimbal, is because the Pasuk says Litzra. By Isha Alachosa Losikach Litzra, remember it says Olaos referring to Yibam, and it said Litzra. That's how we know Tzara's Erev. How do we know Tzara's Erev? Tzara, Tzara, Amar, Vita, Amar, Litzra. It says with an extra resh. It could have just said Litzra. Why the Litzra, the double resh? The Torah is including many different co-wives. Even the co-wife of a co-wife is included in the Yib- for Yibam exemption. So another drasha. Rav Ashi Amar, Svarhu. It's just a Svara. It's a Svara that once I know Tzara, 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 so then Tzara, 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 Why? Tzara, my time has here. Why is a co-wife Tzara? And welcome to Erva, because she's together with an Erva. The Torah tells us that being together with an Erva makes you Pater. So Tzara, Tzara, Nami. So when it gets to the co-wife's co-wife, what happens? She, after the second brother dies, now she's falling back as an Osir woman. So now the co-wife, together with her, is Vaita. She's Vaita with an Erva because the co-wife herself became Osir when she was excluded from Yiba. So there's different ways how to understand what exactly the Pshan, the Svar, and the Svar of the Gemara is. But the simple interpretation would be once there is a halacha that it's Aras Erva is Pater from the Mitzvah, so her Eishas Ach. Remember, every Yibam is Eishasach. Normally, the Torah is moderate, but when it's not being moderate for whatever reason, so the Erva of Eishasach is an Erva. So we would say that the Tsaras Erva, her Eishasach becomes a forbidden thing. So now when it's repeating itself after, after she did Yibam to the other brother, and now he died, subsequently, her Eishasach from the original her marriage is still Aser. So it's simply an Eishasach, Aser and Tsara. So you don't need an extra din Tsara Tsara. Tsara Tsara is just Tsara's Erva repeating itself. The Erva Aser is the Tsara. And then when the Tsar goes ahead and marries another brother, and then he died, so her Eishasach is Asr, so she's an Erva, and she Asr's her Tsara. So basically, that would be the simple understanding of Ravashi. Ravashi is simply saying that, that you have a, a, you have a Tsara's Erva situation in a Tsara's Tsara. That would be the Pashup Shah. It's very interesting for that to be the Pashup Shah because there's like the most famous Rabbi Kveiger in Yavamos. He actually asked this question on Davches. He like is very bothered. He says, "Why do I need a chiddush for tzara sara? Every tzara sara is a tzara erva because once the tzara erva becomes potter, um, then her eshesach becomes also, and then when it repeats itself in a second nefila, so it's tzara erva again. So why is there ever a thing called tzara sara? Now, what's so interesting about Rabbi Kivager's question is that simply, if you read the Gemara here in Ravashi, that's exactly what Ravashi is saying. Ravashi is saying that exact tzara that you don't need another pasuk for tzara sara because every tzara sara is vaiter tzara erva." So what exactly was Rabbi Kveger so bothered by if Rabbi Ashi said that's the Svar? So that's an interesting thing. Maybe that suggests that Rabbi Kveger had a different understanding of what Rabbi Ashi was saying. But the simple Pshan of Ashi would be Gufa Rabbi Kveger's Svar, that every Tzara Tzara is really a Tzara's Erva. The cycle is just repeating itself. All right, here we go. Kate and Amesu. The Mishnah spoke out at the whole din of Tzara's Erva is only when, at the time of the when the when, of death of the deceased, they were still both married. But if something happened... Um, before the death of the, to the deceased to terminate the marriage of the erva to the tzara, to, of the erva to the husband, then there wouldn't be a dinner tzara's erva. So let's say, for example, the erva died, if the erva was divorced, if the erva did mion, or if the erva suddenly was found to be in an islandess, that's what the Mishnah spoke out. There's not going to be a dinner tzara's erva. Tzara's erva is only when they're together, b'shas the misa. 
So the Gemara says, even if they were married together, so it was kanas, meaning the deceased had married the co-wife and and, and the Ervad, they were married together, and then only afterwards did he divorce the Ervad, the co-wife could still be taken in Yibam. And why? What would this far be? Because she's not at Tsar's Ervad at the time of the Misa, at the time of the Nefila Yibam, she's not at Tsar's Ervad. So the Mar says, but we contrast that with another Mishnah. We're Minu, we have a Kasha from the Mishnah. The Mishnah says later, so you have, you have three brothers, Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. Reuven and Shimon are married to two sisters. Levi is married to an unrelated woman. Let's say one of the husbands of the sisters, let's say Shimon, divorced his wife. And the one who was married to the unrelated woman, which is Levi, Levi then dies. Now that he dies, so Shimon married Levi's widow in Yibam, Bames, and then he dies childless. So now Shimon is dying without children. So the widow who used to be married to Levi, who then was taken to Yibam to Shimon, is now falling to Yibam to Reuven. Reuven is married to one of the original sisters. So remember here, Shimon married the widow after he'd already divorced his first wife. This is the other sister. So Zui Shamru says the Mishnah, this is the case where we say there's no problem of erva here. Why? Because it's not a Tsar's erva. Because at the time that Shimon married the unrelated woman, at the time that Shimon married Levi's widow, he was no longer married to a sister. So therefore, now this widow of Levi can do Yibam to Ruvain, even though Ruvain is married to, to a sister of someone that Shimon used to be married to. So it sounds like the way we're setting up the case, the time of the Girish and Karnas, it implies the only reason that Levi's wife, the Levi's widow, can do Yibam now that she's falling from Shimon is only because Shimon had first divorced his, his wife, the sister, and only then did he do Yibam to Levi's widow. Let's say he had done Yibam at the time that he was still married to one of the sisters. And then, but before he died, he divorced the sister. The halacha would be, that when Shimon dies, Levi's widow cannot do Yibam. Presumably, she would be at Tsar's Erva, even though at the time of the Nefilah, she's not at Tsar's Erva because what the sister had already been divorced. But the implication in the Mishnah is that no, it still would be considered Tsar's Erva. If she was ever married together with the Erva in a plausible Yibam scenario, even before, even if before the time of the death, um, she, she's no longer together with the Erva because let's say the Erva was divorced, she forever is stamped as being a Tsar's Erva. In other words, Tsar's Erva, it sounds like from that mission, it's just like it's a status of Isser which is injected towards, projected towards Yibum, even if they're not, she's not together with the Erva at the time of the death. So we have a steer between our Mishnah and the implication of the Mishnah on Daflamin. The implication of our, of our Mishnah is that it all depends at the time of death. We look at the time of death. Is she Tsar's Erva at the time of death? And as long as the Erva is not married at the time of death. She's not a Taurus Erva. She could get. She could do Yibam. Whereas the implication of the of the Mishnah and Daflamid is that something is Taurus Erva. If she was ever married together with the Erva, then um, even if something happened that the Erva is no longer married, she was divorced, and then the husband died, she still doesn't do Yibam. So we have a Kasha. So the Gemara answers, you break it up. Whoever is taught our Mishnah did not teach that Mishnah. It's actually a machlokas. It's a machlokas tanom when the din of Tzaras Erva is chal. Our Mishnah holds that it's totally in the time of the death, which is probably the more intuitive side. That's the Pasha. It's totally in the time of death. The time of death, that's what determines if she's a Tzaras Erva. So if she was not a Tzaras Erva at the time of death, because at the time of death, the Erva was already divorced, so then, um, then all is good. All is good, and she could do yibum. Whereas high tana sarvnesu mishnah mapilum tana of that mishnah where we were we were making the diak from holds that it's thir- during the time of the original marriage that makes the nefila yibum. That doesn't mean you do yibum while he's married. Obviously, you only practically do yibum after the time of death. 
But the concept is that what determines her status to Yibam is not her status after death, but rather her status that she had while she was married. So if at some point while she was married, she was at Tzara's Erva in a projected state to do Yibam, she wouldn't have been able to Yibam because she was married together as a co-wife with an Erva. And even if something changes before and, and before the time of death, she's forever at Tzara's Erva. It's like an Isra Degadin that just chal on her. Since she was married together with the Erva, she won't do Yibam to the brother. So it doesn't make a difference if the Erva was divorced before the time of death, if she was ever married together with her, then it wouldn't be, um, she would never do evil. Says the Gemara, another answer, the Mishnah, the first ruling, and then he was saying it's not even necessary to say the second ruling. Meaning, first in our Mishnah, he teaches the more Mechudash Tikka rule, that the Kohef is Mutter Te'ibam, um, even if she was married together with the Erva, as long as the Erva was divorced before the death. And then in the next Mishnah, he says, and by the way, it's even more obvious that there's no Din of Tzaras Erva as long if the deceased, if the deceased bro, um, brother married her after divorcing the Erva. So they were never even co-wives. In other words, it goes even without saying. So it's like a style. The Mishnah is an interesting style to say the more novel thing first and say, and by the way, and it, and it goes without saying that even this is true. So like, you would think that's almost like superfluous. Like, why say something which is obvious? Once I say the more novel thing, why do I need to say the more basic thing? But sometimes that's the style of the Mishnah, and that's exactly what happened here. So uh, really, everyone is in agreement to what our Mishnah said, that it's not Saras Erva, as long as at the time of the death, she's not married. But the Mishnah later was saying, it goes without saying that she was not even married at all together with the Erva. The Erva was divorced before the brother married her, married the other Tzara, then it's okay. Then the Mishnah said, The Mishnah spoke about an Erva, um, an erva, let's say, you know, Ruben married Shimon's daughter, but she was a katana. So it was an erva, but she was a katana. So she, she could have done Mion and gotten rid of the marriage, but she didn't. And now, so Midrabana and there's a din, she can't be taken in Yibam. Um, she would, in other words, she can't be married, but, but the point is, Midrabana, there's a din that she answers her tsar. So the Gemara says, it's mine, hash of the Siabin. Why can't she refuse the marriage now? Even though the marriage is over, let her re- be, be, make the Mion now and retroactively remove that she was ever married. But the Siabin, the Kohl should do Yibam. Meaning in this case, and say Reuben married Shimon's daughter, she marries his niece, and she's a katana, and Reuben also has another wife. So the Mishnah is saying that after the death of Reuben, it's, since it's a tsar's erva midrabanon, so the erva does, so so the erva is going to ask the tsar from doing evil and practice tomorrow. Let Shimon's daughter do a meal towards marrying him, and never retroactively remove the marriage. And now the tsar won't be a tsar's erva. So why don't we do that? So the Gemara says, "Limur zayla rabosha." That should give us support to rabosha. The marabosha when it's marabosha, the marabosha lizikasa. Rabosha holds no. Rabosha later in the mesech holds meal can only be done after um, after a mamar, but not to a zika. Meaning to say that. After the, the marriage is over because the deceased dies, at that point it's too late to go ahead. At that point it's too late to go ahead and, and, and make a mimer, retroactively remove the marriage. And as mimer can only be done while the marriage is still ongoing. But after the marriage is over and it just exists in the form of the Zika Wanangibum, we're not able to say that uh, that the the my that that the that the, the mean can be done at that point. So it would sound like that it's too late to do mean. So the Mar says, no, really mean could be done then. It's different because of Tsaras Arva, meaning the fact here is that she fell to Yibam together with this with this uh, other woman. And even if she technically could do Mia now and remove the marriage, but it doesn't look good. It still appears like it was the co-wife of an Erva, and therefore it does not affect it. Where do we see a support to this, that even when Mia technically works, but we still make the Rabbanah? An orphan minor, she's making Mia into her husband during while he's alive with Tereslav, that makes her mother to marry his father, meaning we don't even say it appears like marrying an Erva. Because no, it was clear she did Mia, and she removed the whole marriage, everything's good. Whereas Mia, the Yavah Masur if she only did Mia, 
after the death. So she's refusing the Yavim after her husband's death. Now she's also to marry the father. And the reason is because it already appeared like a daughter. Also, since she only did Mian after the time of death, so it already appeared like a real daughter-in-law. So she's also, even though technically the Mian approved of the original marriage. So Achanami, so too, in the Tsaris Aravadin, that once it appeared like an Erva from the time of the Nefila, it forever answers the, the, the Tsara, forever answers the Tsara, even if uh, she didn't mean because Mishas Nefila Neritz Ketzaras Pito, it appears like a real Tsaras Pito. So even though technically we're coming out, mean can be done after the time of death, Klape the Yibam, and retroactively we'll remove it and it won't really be Tsaras Erva, but Mitzrabon, and they said not to rely on that because it appears like Tsaras Erva. Continues the mission. We have six arayas more severe, more stringent than the first 15, in the sense that they can't get married to a brother. The same way they're an erva to the Yavam, they're an erva to the original brother as well. So the only person they can get married to is somebody else. And therefore, it's our same with Taras, the co-wives are mutter. Because remember, co-wife is only, the co-wife becoming author is only in the Yivam scenario, only in the case where uh, it, it, it was married permissibly to one brother, and then he died, and now the erva has fallen to the Yavim. There we say, just as the erva doesn't do Yivam, so too the Tsar does not do Yivam. But in a case where it was married to some random person, there's no din of Tsar's ever. Remember, it's only Bamako Mitzvah. So these Sheish Arayos have no plausible way of ever having a Tsar, because these Arayos can never be married uh, to one brother over another. It's an error to all of them. So the only person they can marry is somebody else. Like, for example, Emo, a mother. So a mother... Um, or Asha's oven for her father's wife. In these cases, there's no way for the father's wife or her mother to fall to Yibam and Pater Tzara because they could never have married the brother originally. They were also also to the brother. So therefore, there's no din of Tzara Tzara. Or Achos Avim, a father's sister, the same thing. A father's sister can never, will never work because Yibam always has to be brothers from the father. And a uh, father's sister cannot be married by either one of these uh, other people. Achos Avim, or a, a, a sister that is shared through a father. So the same thing. It's going to be a sister to one will be a sister to the other. A sister only from the mother's side, that is possible. It's possible for it to be only an error to the other and not and not to the deceased. But a paternal sister is impossible. Achi Aviv or the wife of the father's brother. So the same thing, that's not never going to be possible to get married to anyone. Aviv or the wife of a paternal brother, all those things. If the erva is through the father's side and these guys are brothers from the father, so the same way it's an erva to the oven would have been an erva as well to the deceased. Okay, now everything that we've been learning, we've been taking the whole Masechta that Tsar's Erva is also. Now the, Martel, the Mishnah tells us the truth is it's a dispute. Bishama Matir Matsaras Lach. Bishama is actually Matir the Tsar's to the brother. Bishama doesn't hold to the holding. Holding of Tsar's Erva, Bishama doesn't hold of. We'll see in the Gemara of Shat. Bishama does hold of Tsar's Erva. Bishama holds it just as the Erva is also, so too the Tsar. Now, now that we learn this big machlok, is that according to Bishama, the Tsar is Matir to do Yibam. Tsar's Erva is Matir to Yibam. And the according to Beitzel Tzaras Erva's Aser, so it makes it Afkamino. Let's say Cholzu. Let's say the co-wife did a chalitza. So according to Beishamai, she needs a chalitza, right? The chalitza is a real chalitza because she could have done yibum. So therefore, Beisham posts The act of chalitza is going to puzzle her from kuna. Why? Because chalitza is like divorce in the sense that just as a divorced woman can't marry a coin, so to a chalitza can't marry a co- cannot marry a coin. And she needed, there was real zika, so she needed even more chalitza. So the chalitza is a real chalitza. It's going to puzzle her from kuna. Beisham is going to say she's kosher to kuna. Why? Because it wasn't a chalitza, what didn't need to be done. So even if you went through the motions of chalitza and she took off the shoe, it's not a chalitza, and therefore she's still mother to marry Khan. Nisyamu, here's the inverse. Let's say she did Yibam. So Bisham Hashim, Bisham says she's fine. And Yibam was allowed to be done. Bisham is going to disqualify her. Meaning she can't, she becomes a zona. She did. She just did Aisha's after. Because once she's potter, 
from Yibam, it's Mamash and Yisra Karis. For her to do Yibam will be an Yisra Karis, and therefore she can't marry a Kohen in the future because she became a Zona. So now an interesting thing. Even though Basil Asr is the Kohen and Basham is Matar, and because of that, it comes out Basil will, will, will disqualify certain people that Basham would say is kosher, right? Basil will consider certain people to be Zonas that Basham were not considered to be a Zona. Still, Basham and Basil did not. Stop from making marriages between each other, which is a nice chiddush because theoretically there could be a mamzer issues, right? If somebody marries an Arab, there could be a mamzer issue, but they still didn't refrain from making marriages. And similarly, call it all the tar and tummy things, you know, they disagreed a lot of times. Sometimes one said tummy, sometimes one said tar, so on and so forth. They never refrained from preparing foods that were tar one with the other, even though they had different standards. Now, obviously, you have to understand how could this be? So, we'll see in the Gemara a whole discussion about how it was possible for them to function properly, even though they, they had machloksim. But the Mishnah, just for the Mishnah itself, the Mishnah is pointing out that they were actually able uh, to function together. Okay, we'll see about that. So now we're going to go back to the Iker, the big machlokas in the Mishnah. Is Saras Erevah Mutter or Asr Bishamah? says Saras Erevah is permitted. Basil says Saras Erevah is cards. So Amar Abshaman Ben Pazi, my time is Bishamah. What's the Pshat? The Siv Losia Ishes Amesh Achutza Lazar. It says about Yibum, the Losia Ishes Amesh, then it says Hachutza. The outer one. The outer one shouldn't marry a, ra- a random person. So it sounds like, who's a There's an inner one and an outer one. There's two widows. The inner widow means she's an Arva. And she is free to go. But the outer one, the Tsar's Arva, she shouldn't marry somebody else. Rather, she should do Yibam. Amrachman Losia, she shouldn't marry out. She shouldn't marry out. Rather, Yibam should be done. There's a Tsar's mom is referring to the Tsar's Arva. It's saying that the outer wife, the Tsar's Arva, shouldn't be shouldn't be permitted to go. Rather, she should do Yibam. So the Pasuk's mom is saying that the Tsar's Arva does Yibam. Ubeisel disagrees on that. How do you know that in Kedushin Yavama, if somebody is Yavama, she's supposed to be doing Yibam, and instead of doing Yibam, she goes and she marries somebody random. So really, it's only a lav. So generally, a lav in the Torah, generally Kedushin is Tofes on a Chavi Lavin. So you might say that Kedushin would be Tofes because it's only a Chavi Lavin. So remember the pasuk says Losia Lazar. It says Losihia. She shouldn't be to a strange man. So Losia Lazar means there shouldn't be a being, meaning there shouldn't be a kedushin. It's Xeris Akasev of Losia. Losia is teaching that there cannot be tefisus kedushin from a Yavam Alashok. So the Torah is telling you that when it's that it's a new when she goes and marries somebody else. Lachutz when she goes and marries somebody else, she, she there's no tefisus kedushin. So Basil is understanding that the Joshua of Achutz is saying when she marries out. A, a, Person who does have Zika, not a Tsar's Erva, but someone who's marrying out, there's no Tisus Kedushin. It says the Gemara of Basil makes it Lachutz, doesn't say Lachutz, Chutzaks, it says Chutza. Chutza means the outer one, the outer Tsara. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean um, not marrying out like a regular case of a, of, of a Yavama marrying Lashok. So the grammar's off. Basil, even says Chutzak, man, say Lachutz, Dami. Chutza means Lachutz, it's the same thing. Because it accomplishes this thing, the same thing. The kamatei at the end means to the outside. In the grammar, if a word needs a lamin in the beginning, in that prefix, the pasuk can just put a, a kamatei at the end and get the same meaning. Elima means two elim. Machanaim, machanaim, two machanaim. Mitzrayim, mitzrayim. Mitzrayim means two mitzrayim. Divlasaima means two two divlasaimi. Yerushalayma means two Yerushalayim. Midbar means to the wilderness. So it's weird when it says chutza means to the outside. It doesn't mean the outer one, but rather it means to the outside. So the Gemara now questions Beishama. Beishama to review the Marabinolu. If they use chutza to say tsar's Arab's mutter, so then how are they going to know 
how are they going to know that there's no tefisas hakadushin on a tzar tzarva? So the answer is, how, how are they know? How are they going to know there's no tefisas hakadushin on a yivam balashok? So the answer is middle ishzar nafka. We learn it from the to a strange man. Rezara says l'siyach mezachutsa leishzar. Ishzar means somebody like strange in the sense that there cannot be kedushin. Beisol and Amitabel Ishzar. Beisol also should have learned from from Ishzar. That sounds like a great drasha. Why did Beisol need chutzah? Says the Gemara in Achanami. You're right. Really, everyone derives the fact that there's no tefisas kedushin on Yivam Malashok. We learn that from Ishzar. So what do we need chutzah for? If we're not using it to say tzaras arvas mothers, what's chutzah teaching me? Lavavas arvus. It comes to include even if a woman was only betrothed, she was never married. She never had Bia with her husband. She was only betrothed. She was only in Arusa. When her husband dies childless, she still does Yibam. How do I know? Because even though she was Chutza, she was still outer. She wasn't yet intimate with her husband. There's still Yibam. So that's what Basil is learning. And that's why it's not derived from here. It's Aras Arafah's mother. Ivy Ida. How is Beishamah going to know that? Mi Chutza Ha Chutza. So he derives that from the extra hay. From, so one Allah he's learning is that the Tzara Sarva does Yibam. And from the extra hay, we also learn that an Arusa does Yibam. Says the Gemara, he doesn't learn that there's a difference between the hay that we can learn so much just from the from the hay. So if you can't learn so much just from the hay, um, we're unable to do that. So therefore, we're, we only can make one drasha, and Basil chooses to learn that the Arusa is mutter to do yibam, and we do not have a halacha that Tsaris Erva is mutter to do yibam, and in fact, a Tsaris Erva is not allowed to do yibam. So the first approach in the Gemara. Understanding Machlokas Bishan Vizil has just been about the drushers, whether or not we say Tzaras Erva is Mutter or Aser. Says the Gemara, an alternative understanding of Bishamai, Rava Amar, a whole lump. This Tamit Bishamai in Isser Chalas. So the Pshan of Bishamai is one Isser doesn't take effect on a second Isser. When something was Aser for one reason, if it now a second uh, Isser wants to take effect, we say it's not. Once something is Aser, it's Aser. In Isser Chalas. So therefore, what's going to come out? What's going to come out? What's going to come out here? Is that if someone was already Asr for Aisha's Ach, then if it would if, if Achos Isha, let's say, or another Arafa would want to take effect on it afterwards, so what's the halacha? It's not going to take effect. So therefore it's not going to be a Tsaris Arafa because it's not really going to be considered an Arafa. So let's just see. The Gemara will speak it, it'll speak it out. So the Gemara says, and obviously this is talking about a case where the Arayos came about through marriage. So therefore it's possible that it was a brother's wife before the second Arafa came. So the Gemara like just illustrates it using the Isra of Achos Isha. It makes sense when the brother who eventually died first married his wife first, and only afterward, um, and whereas only the and only afterwards the one who was living the Yavam married the other sister. So let's just speak out with some names to make that make sense. We have Reuven and Shimon who are, who are brothers, and then you have Leah and Rachel who are sisters. Two brothers are married two sisters. Reuven married Leah first, and Shimon married Rachel second. Then when Reuven dies, we're talking about should the Achosisha do Yibum. But in this case, Leah was, is forbidden to Shimon. What was the first reason she was ushered to Shimon? She was first ushered to Shimon because she was Ruvain's wife. Before she was ushered to Shimon because she's the sister of Shimon's wife, Rachel. Because Ruvain married Leah before Shimon married Rachel. So therefore, she was already in Eishazach before she was in Achosishach. Therefore, the din of the Achosishach is not going to take effect. It's not going to take effect on top of the Isra of the Eishazach. So she, what is she? she? It's as if she's not an Erva. It's as if she's only a plain Mutter Dika Eishazach. She's a plain Eishazach, and therefore the Tzara is not going to be a Tzara's Erva. There we can understand it. It's like a lumdish point that it's not going to be a Tzara's Erva. Now, let's just think here for a second here about what the Gemara is saying. The Gemara is saying is that since ain't Isra Chal Isra, the Tzara is not a Tzara's Erva. So there's a glaring question. So then why can't the woman herself do evil? 
why can't the wife's sister do Yibam? If the Isra of the wife's sister didn't take effect because Ain Isra Chalas, or so let her herself do Yibam. Why are we only saying that the Tzara can do Yibam? Let her herself do Yibam. So Tysus asked this question. Tysus explains a very lumdish thing about Ain Isra Chalas, or even though the second Isra doesn't take effect, but it hovers around. It waits for a moment that it could take effect. If the Eshazach would ever leave, if she would want to do Yibam, then the Achosisha would take effect. Because Enos Herkalaser says, if you're already Aser, why should I Aser you in a double way? Okay, so if that's a true principle, but it hovers around, if the first Aser would ever go away, then the second Aser would be Chal. So we can't permit the Eshazach and let her do Yibam because then the Achosisha would be Chal. So therefore, the woman herself can't do, can't do the mitzvah. Now you're going to have Shver, so then wait a second. So then why isn't that a reason why the Tsar could be a Tsar Sarah? The teretz is a lumdish nekuda. There's a split between the between the erva and the tsaras erva. Erva herself can't do yibum, not because she is an achosisha. She can't do yibum because even if her eshah would go away, then she would become achosisha. So therefore, that itself is a reason not to do yibum. The potential that she would become an achosisha. It has to be a tsaras erva. It has to be that really right now the iser is here. Practically, she is she's an erva. Then she could ask the tsara. But only the potential to become an erva doesn't ask the tsara. That's what it seems like the lumdus is. This is all part of the idea that it's that an erva asers the tsara, like the brisker rav said. And it's only if right now there's a reality of of an erva here that it asers the tsara. Whereas since it's only the potential erva here in our case, the erva won't do yibum. The wife sister won't do yibum, but the tsara could. Anyhow, that's all good. If Ruvain married Leah first, and then Shimon married Rachel, then Ruvain died, and everything's good. Let's say it's the opposite. Let's say Shimon got married first. So Shimon married Rachel first, and then Ruvain married Leah. So what's the relationship between Leah and Shimon? She was actually an Achazisha before she was in Eshazach. So Achazisha called them, the wife's sister came first. So she's an Achazisha, so why shouldn't she answer the Tzara? Beishamah was saying that there's never a Tzara Zerva. Why not? In the case where the Achazisha was first, it's certainly a Tzara Zerva. So the Gemara gives a second Tzara. What will happen in that case? The Eshazach won't take effect on the Achazisha. It's only going to be an Achosisha, not an Eshazach. If so, So then the co-wife will be considered like it's outside of the setting of Yibam and she'll be mother. Remember, a co-wife is only Asr of an Erva when it's in the Matzav of Yibam. So normally in the Matzav of Yibam, it's, 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 it's from a brother's wife and there's an Isra of a brother's wife. The Gemara is saying if the Isra of a brother's wife, the Isra of Eshazach, is not going to be Chal on the pre-existing Isra of the Achosisha, so it's, not, it's going to be considered Tzaras Erva, Shalobim Makom Mitzvah, and therefore it's mutter. The Gemara is one of the hardest Gemaras to understand in, in Yavamas. It's, it's like Mamash, the hardest thing. Why is it hard? Because she is a brother's wife. Her Matthias is that she was married to a brother's wife. It's, it, it's the Matthias of Yibam. It's the scenario of Yibam. It happens to be there's no Isser of Eshazach. It's not There's no Isser of the Eshazach. Why do I need the Isser of the Eshazach to be considered Bamako Mitzvah? Normally you think of Eshazach as like getting in the way of Yibam and the Torah is Matra to let it go. The Gemara here seems to be saying that like, Having the Isra of Eshazach is part of what makes the Yibam. Yibam actually is necessary to have the Isra of Eshazach. So if there's not going to be the Isra of Eshazach, then it's going to, it would be considered as if it was Shaloba Makom Mitzvah. And Shaloba Makom Mitzvah, there's no din that an Arab Asr's it's a very hard thing to understand. Anyhow, Beishamah's opinion therefore emerges, it's a blend of two different things. It's only, we're talking about certain types of Arayas, Arayas where Enes or Chal Isra. And basically, we're going to say that if the Achosisha came second, the Achosisha was, it wasn't there. It's like, it's, it's, it's like the Tsar is not a Tsar Sarva. And if the Achosisha came first, then the Eshazach wasn't Chal, so it's going to be considered Tsar Sarva, Shalom, Bemakom Mitzvah. All right, what did the Mishnah say? 
if the chalitza was done, Bishama is going to say she's possible from Kuna because the chalitza was a valid, it was necessary, it was a real chalitza. Beisola will say she's mutter. Says the Gemara Pshita, obvious. According to Bishama, it was a chalitza. According to Beisola, it wasn't a chalitza. Says the Gemara, if we look at Rabbi Yochman Nuri, it excludes Rabbi Yochman Nuri's opinion. Rabbi Yochman Nuri saw that there's a problem between Bishama and Beisola because if it's not resolved, how are we paskin? So it's going to be complicated. So the Rabbanim may say that every time you have a tzara of an erva, she should always do chalitza and not be taken in yibam. Therefore, Beishamah will be happy because chalitza was done, and Beisil will be happy because they, they didn't do yibam. At least no, no erva occurred. They didn't, they didn't do bia. So according to Rabbi Yochanan, we resolve a new takana with the Rabbanan that the tzara's erva should always do chalitza. So maybe now in Beisilel, she should be disqualified from marrying a Kohen. Because of the fact that Lamai saw Chalitza was done, it was mandated Midrab, to, to, to reconcile the views of Bisham Yisrael to make sure everyone will be on the same page. And will they, every Tzaras Arab should do Chalitza. So now, maybe even according to Bisham she's also Lakuna. Kamash Mulan, Bisham Yisrael, says she's still kosher to Kuna because we did not do what Rabbi Yochan Minuri wanted. Rabbi Yochan Minuri was proposing that we should make an institution that every Tzaras Arab should do Yibam, but Lamai so we didn't follow through with it. And therefore, if chalitza was done, it's not being done because it's a din to do chalitza. And since it's not being done because it's a din to do chalitza, she'll still be mutter lakuna. Then we speak out. And if they do yibam, so Basil is going to say they're apostle. Why? Because it's mamish erva. It's erva. It's erva of karis. It's eishasach. If she's potter from yibam. According to Beishamai, she'll be kosher. Samar says, hatu lamali. Why is this a novelty? Obviously. According to Beishamai, she she's mother, and according to Beisol, it's, it's an erva. Says You're right; it's not a chiddush. Just the of the fact that we were talking about the chalitza, so we spoke about the yibum as well. So therefore, we bring out this point. All right. Now, this next thing is actually a completely new sugya. The sugya of Los is going to do. It's going to try to focus on trying to understand how you can have different opinions in halacha and how to practice and implement different views. We'll start it tomorrow. It's going to be a new sukya. It's going to relate back to the Machlokas Bishami Silla, whether Tsaras Erva is Mutter or Asr.